Hello, my name is Scott Cameron. This is The Joys of Teaching Literature, talking about themes and topics and issues that come up in teaching English. In high school, if you want to know more about me, my website is theteachersworkshop.com. I offer online professional development for high school English teachers. So the topic this week is the psyche, and I'm calling it um, because it, you know that's a topic that, that can obviously apply to any character, right? And that's really where I end most of my discussions of literature. Um, it's what is happening internally in the character. What's their internal conflict? Um, what are the things about them that even they might not know, right? The narrator might not know it. They might not know it. It's, it's the most interesting place that we can end up uh, whenever we interpret literature um, because it's, it's the submerged, right? It's the unknown. It's, it's what's happening um, beneath the surface. I'll call this, this, I'm calling this opening the unconscious. So for some reason, my students love talking about dreams. When I show a graphic that depicts how the psyche works, they'll suddenly start raising their hands when I mention dreams. <laughs> I become Freud to them, and they'll ask me to explain their weird dreams. Every great piece of literature explores the inner workings of what the character doesn't consciously know about their own desires and fears. How do they navigate their inner turmoil, their internal conflict over what they want to do? and what they should do. What does the devil on their shoulders say to do? What does the angel say? What happens when a person can't find an outlet for their feelings? How do they process their experiences and develop a conscience? I try to explain the psyche like this. <laughs> it's simple, right? We, we wake up in the morning, right? We go about our day, we have experiences, and then we go to sleep. And then those experiences settle into our unconscious mind. Do it all over again, right? When we wake up, we've internalized everything we've experienced from the day before. Our memories, all of them, are always there. We carry our prior experiences with us every time we make a decision. We're mostly on autopilot until some life-changing experience forces us to reconsider our worldview. Literature helps us figure out what's behind moments of weakness and doubt. It explores the struggle to clearly and boldly articulate our mixed feelings and thoughts. It sheds a light on the moments we can break out of autopilot, moments that start small but end with a life-altering epiphany. So I try to pick some of my favorite life-altering epiphanies from literature. Uh, the first one is from Jane Austen's Emma. She's... Uh, Toward the end of the book, the third-person narrator kind of acknowledges Emma's inability to understand her own feelings. It's a good place to start. So this is the quote. Seldom, very seldom, does complete truth belong to any human disclosure. Seldom can it happen that something is not a little disguised or a little mistaken. Next example is from uh, Things Fall Apart. Uh, the main character, Okonkwo, during the New Yam Festival fails to contain his extreme fear of becoming idle and unsuccessful like his father, and this is kind of what happens uh, out of, because of that fear. And here's a quote. And then the storm burst. Akonkwo, who had been walking about aimlessly in his compound in suppressed anger, suddenly found an outlet. And at that point, he commits an act of violence. Uh, the next one is from, from Great Expectations, and this is when Pip you know, kind of holds his love in for so long and eventually expresses his love uh, to Estella. So this is his uh, declaration. 
In what ecstasy of unhappiness I got these broken words out of myself, I don't know. The rhapsody welled up within me like blood from an inward wound and gushed out. <laughs> so dramatic, Pip. And then to the lighthouse. So this is uh, Pilly, Lily is painting a painting and, and kind of taps into her unconscious mind here. Then, as if some here's a quote. Then, as if some juice necessary for the lubrication of her faculties was were spontaneously squirted, she began precariously dipping among the blues and umbers, moving her brush hither and thither. But now it was heavier and went slower, as if it had fallen in with some rhythm which was dictated to her. She kept looking at the hedge of the canvas, but what rhythm was strong enough to bear her along with it on its current? Certainly, she was losing consciousness of outer things. And as she lost consciousness of outer things, and her name, and her personality, and her appearance, and whether Mr. Carmichael was there or not, her mind kept throwing up from its depths scenes and names, and sayings, and memories, and ideas, like a fountain spurting over that glaring, hideously difficult white space, while she modeled it with greens and blues. And then one of my favorite passages of all time in all literature from Jane Eyre. Uh, this is about the inward battle between silent obedience and revolution. Here's the quote, and I'll just end with this. Then my sole relief was to walk along the corridor of the third story, backwards and forwards, safe in the silence and solitude of the spot, and allow my mind's eye to dwell on whatever bright visions rose before it. And certainly there were many and glowing, to let my heart be heaved by the exultant movement, which, while swelled in trouble, expanded it with life. And best of all, to open my inward ear to a tale that was never ended, a tale my imagination created and narrated continuously, quickened with all incident, life, fire, feeling, that I desired and had not in my actual existence. It is in vain to say human beings ought to be satisfied with tranquility. They must have action, and they will make it if they cannot find it. Millions are condemned to a, still, to a still, stiller doom than mine, and million, millions are in silent revolt against their lot. Thanks for listening. <laughs>